35 days ago, 35 days ago, we met in this room and millions met around the world to celebrate the most significant event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that was 35 days ago. So this morning, I want to share a message that God put on my heart. I'm calling it Easter Carryovers. So since 35 days ago when we celebrated the most significant event in human history, what are the carryovers? How are our lives different because of celebrating the most significant event in human history? If you have your Bible, we're going to be there in just a moment. You might want to turn to the book of Acts. We're going to look through chapter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. But I want to speak this morning on Easter carryovers. $20.8 billion was spent on Easter 2022, meaning the numbers that were given that every person who showed up in a church and celebrated Easter spent $170 celebrating Easter. $3 billion were projected that were spent on candy alone. And get this, anybody like chocolate bunnies? The most expensive chocolate bunny that you could buy this year for Easter was $49,000. But guess what comes with it? 548,000 calories come with that. (laughs) Did you know that 81% of parents sneak things from their children's Easter basket? So you might want to talk to your child about that on the way home. I'm just trying to help your family is all I'm trying to do. We spend $6 million on uh, food, lots more on gifts. 85% of Easter baskets will include chocolate or candy. And when people are eating an Easter bunny, the majority start by eating the ears, right? Well, enough of that. But Easter is the most popular church-going day of all the days. Easter is first, Christmas Eve is second, Palm Sunday is third. You want to guess what fourth is? We just celebrated it. Mother's Day. Mother's Day is the fourth highest attended uh, day in church of the year. So we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 50 and 52, When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. They worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So after Jesus was resurrected and he ascended into heaven and those that were there, when it was all over, they worshiped him. But notice this, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They went back to work. They went back to their families. They went back to their neighborhood. They went back changed people because there was a deepness. There was a level of joy in their hearts that was not built on money, was not built on a career, was not built on the stock market going their way. It was built on the fact that Jesus Christ was everything he promised to be, and he was so much more. And they returned back to their communities, but they were different. There were some carryovers from that event that was a part of their life. And so I want to mention some of those 
Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 12. Uh, I want to read, that's a long passage, but I want to read it because it's going to set up some things that we want to say. Acts chapter 1, in my former book, Theophilus, what does he mean, my former book? This is Luke, the same one who wrote the gospel of Luke is writing the book of Acts. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is mentioned 50 times in the book of Acts. Through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and he gave many convincing proofs that it was him and that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak of. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And remember, this was a promise he said the father was making to his children. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times, the dates, the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky, and he was going when he suddenly saw two men dressed in white uh, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken back from you into heaven will come back. So not only did we have the incarnation and the crucifixion, and the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus returning to the Father. Here he is making the promise that he will come back. So it's a reference to the second coming. Now, a lot of people study the second coming. We're trying to figure out if we can picture what year and what day and what moment. But here's what I can tell you about the second coming. Jesus promised he's coming back. We don't know when, but we must be ready at every moment because he's coming back. He may come back when we least expect it. He might come back on a Sunday morning. He might come back on a Christmas Eve, but he's coming back. It's the promise. And so we have to be ready. In the same way you have seen him going to heaven, and then they return to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath's day walk. So as we look through the book of Acts, I want to offer some ideas and thoughts. These were the carryovers of those first believers. These were the carryovers. This is how things impacted their life. One would be the promises of God. They embraced the promises of God. God made 7,147 promises in his word. The most frequent of all the promises is the promise, I am with you. He didn't promise everything is going to go our way. He didn't say everything is going to go easy, but the most frequent promise of the 7,000 promises, 
is the promise that he is with us at all times. And I am thrilled to know that God's faithfulness to his people is not based on our behavior. And it's not based on our action. It is rooted solely into the very character of God. Now, are there blessings that are going to come our way if we are obedient to his laws? Absolutely. But his faithfulness is not rooted in our behavior at the end of the day. It is because of his character. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. It came on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. And think about this. The same power that raised him from the dead, the Gospels and the writings of Paul, they promise us, they promise us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power comes to live in our hearts the moment we trust Christ is our Savior. It's not a, a second event that's going to happen. When we read about the first disciples of Christ speaking in tongues, they're not, they're not speaking in some utter sound and making noise that no one knows. What that means, he said that they would be able to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he gave those early disciples a special gift, the Holy Spirit, that helped them speak a language they had never been trained in. And that same power that same power lives in us to help us fulfill the life that God has called us to live. So here was a carryover. They embraced the promises of God. So as we move forward after Easter 2022, do we live with an awareness of our Heavenly Father has made so many promises to us? So why are we fearful? Why are we completely full of anxiety. Here's another carryover we see from them, priorities. It rearranged the way they live life. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They, meaning these early disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Their life never was lived the same way after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they reordered their daily life in such a way that they would experience daily, not just one day a year, not just on an Easter Sunday. They ordered their lives in such a way that they would experience the transforming power of God in their everyday life. Not just a Sunday. Not just a Wednesday Bible study, but they so rearranged their lives. Since Easter, since our experience in celebrating the resurrection of 2022, have we made any alterations in how we live our life? Has it changed our priorities at all? If we took things that gauge where our hearts are, what would it reflect? We can tell what is most important in our lives by looking at a calendar, 
looking at how we spend our money, and looking at what we do with our free time. So since Easter, was our encounter with the risen Savior so powerful and so mighty that we became aware of things that we needed to repent of and turn away from and through the power of the Holy Spirit walk a different way? Received a very interesting email Friday. If you're on the email list, I send out, try to send that out kind of weekly. Sometimes it doesn't happen weekly, but I sent an email out this past week, and I had a response to that email. And I just want to read it. It came from one of our church members who's been a church member for a long time. Uh, she's well up in years, and her children live away, but she just wanted to say some things about her church. She's grateful for her church. She's grateful that she's included. She's grateful for the activities that are offered where she can connect with people. But then here's what she said. You are 100% right that Sunday morning worship is a Saturday night decision. I know this well from years of ironing dresses, polishing little shoes, washing hair, and reading a Bible lesson before bedtime, all in preparation for Sunday school and church on Sunday. God helped me raise my girls to love the Lord and worship Him at home and at church. That's a great email. What a great illustration. Because when we make that decision on a Saturday night, we've got some preparation to do, don't we? I mean, I do. You know, you know, actually, I lay out on Saturday night what I'm going to wear on Sunday morning, and this is a carryover from Easter Sunday right here. We're talking about things that we carry over. This was a new Easter suit, and so it's a carryover, but I uh, wear it today. But I do believe that Sunday morning church, it is a Saturday night decision, and when we look at the lives of these disciples, their priorities changed they never were the same. Here's another trait that we see a, a carryover with them. Prayer. Prayer. They understood that the primary purpose of prayer is not to receive or not to get something, but to know someone. They understood that this was the way that they could continue to know God in a very personal way. One of the greatest one of the greatest gifts that God offers to us as believers is access to Him in prayer. Because He's always available. You know how you call some people on their cell phone, it instantly goes, I can't talk to you right now, but if you'll leave a message, you don't ever have to leave a message with Him. We don't have to be here to talk to Him. We don't have to be on our knees to talk to Him. We can walk. We can sit one of the greatest blessings that we overlook is the personal access that each one of us has to God. You know, we often form our opinions of someone by just observing them. You ever do that? You go and you meet someone and you're just trying to really figure out who they are, and then we just kind of size up this person. Well, when you size up God, just look in His Word. Look through all the books and you'll find out who he is and how much he cares 
and how much He promises to us. We can go through life one of two ways. We can go through life in our own strength, or we can go through life with strong confidence in God. Philippians 4.6, again a carryover from the resurrection because after Paul had experienced Christ is his own Savior, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice what he encourages us to do. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we see this is a carryover with them. Prayer was a carryover after Easter. Here's praise. Praise. James 5.13, the half-brother of Jesus. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Now, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for me. I'm a lot quicker to ask God for something than I am to praise God for something. Do we respond quickly to share with God the challenges, the hurts, the needs, the brokenness? And then when He delivers, do we praise Him? Do we thank Him for hearing us? Do we thank Him for being faithful? Do we thank Him for being good? You know, when we're in this service and there is a song that really moves us, do we just feel free? Is it like a one-on-one time with God that I am just worshiping Him? I'm not even really aware of everything else going on around me. And we see this happening in the disciples' life. Praise the Lord, David wrote. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. The pit. You ever feel like your life is in a pit? We use that phrase sometimes. I'm just down. I'm in the pit. Maybe the marriage is in the pit. Maybe work is in the pit. You know, maybe I'm crossed up with my children and we say, I'm just, I'm I'm in the pit. If you ever get in the pit, and we all do, remember this phrase. Don't quit in the pit. Don't quit in the pit. That's what David is writing. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. And he crowns you with love and compassion. So don't quit in the pit. Because God is there in the pit. Remember, what is his most frequent promise? I'm with you. He's in the pit with us. We just don't recognize him. We try to be to rely on ourselves too much. And God offers kindness and help. And he offers mercy. The benefits of God gives us much to pray about. And this is the last one. So I know you're wondering. I didn't tell you how many there were at the start, did I? Here's the last one, though. Here's the last one. We see a carryover. Proclaim. First John chapter 1, verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. 
And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So here the writer, John, is he said, the reason we're proclaiming, the reason we're sharing is we want you to have the same kind of life that we have. It's not just for us. It's for anyone who will believe. You know, we say it like this around here sometimes. We believe that the words and the ways of Jesus are better than all this world has to offer. That is basically what John is saying, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And what John is saying is that the words and the ways of Jesus are better than anything this world has to offer. And they're proclaiming the good news so that people could have the peace and the joy that they have. And remember, they didn't live in a perfect world either. There were so many societal divisions in the day that they lived. There was racial division in the times in which this is written. Jews against Samaritans, Jews against other tribes, Jews against other nations. I mean, this is not a perfect world. But yet in the midst of this, they knew that when God is working in all of our hearts, we can all get along. And may all believers share Christ with conviction and with passion. Acts 4.13, the people were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John because they were ordinary men, but they also recognized they had been with Jesus. And they wanted the fellowship. They knew that they were like they were because of God. They recognized God in their life. So in closing, just something to think about this week. Let's look for opportunities that God opens that we can share so that people might have the fellowship that we have. So I forget where I ran across this, ran across it a long time ago, but it's called the not clues. The not clues. So these are great opportunities. When you hear this statement, this is a clue that you can try to engage that person in a conversation. Here's the first. Things are not going well. Things are not going well. When we hear someone say things are not going well, that is an open door for us to share about times things weren't going well in our lives and how God was there and how God helped reach down and He took us out of the pit. So that's a clue to try to engage someone and let them know the fellowship that you have with God and that fellowship that you have is available to them. Things are not going well. Here's the second one. I'm not prepared for this. Just not prepared for this. We hear that sometime when someone loses a child. We hear that sometime when someone loses a spouse. We hear that when someone loses a job. I'm just not prepared for this. It's a great opportunity to tell them about some things that happened in our life that we weren't prepared for either. But God was faithful and God was good. Here's the last When you overhear a conversation and someone says, I'm not from here, we just moved here. In church family, that is a wide open door to invite them to your church. When you hear someone say, ah, we just moved here, don't know much about the community. Why? Let me talk to you about the community. It's a great opportunity. And in that way, we are doing what the apostles did And we're proclaiming. 
What are the Easter carryovers in our lives? Are we building our life on the promises of God? Are our priorities changing day by day? Are we, you know, finding a time to realize that the most important action a Christian can take is to have a meaningful time with God every day? Every day.